Hi guys, today I'm going to be talking about five things that I love to source that you maybe don't source. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Reseller Niche Podcast, a show for e-commerce buyers and sellers where we investigate unique items being bought and sold and show you how research equals knowledge equals profit. Welcome back. So I bought a lot of things over the years, lots and lots of different categories. So today I picked five types of things that I personally love to sell uh, that maybe these aren't overnight sellers, but they are things that consistently sell for me. And whenever I see them, I pick them up. So I'm going to go into them uh, in a little bit of detail and explain why I sell them and any exceptions, any things that I try to avoid as well. So these are not in any particular order. Uh, I'm sure you've sold a lot of these before. These aren't like uh, hidden secrets, but maybe don't pick them up as much as I do. And um, just want to reiterate, these aren't overnight sellers. These aren't like iPhones or something that's going to sell immediately. So let's get straight into it. Uh, first thing, number one on my list, uh, I posted about this yesterday on Instagram. Uh, just so you know, our Instagram is reseller underscore niche. Um, and if you wanted to hit us up. Anyways, so the first thing is pennants, uh, flag, you know, triangle flag looking things, uh, specifically vintage pennants. Um, I really like picking these up whenever I see them 90, 98, 99% of the time. Um, these are some things that I see quite frequently, usually hidden in the back in the, the showcases and they usually piled up and bent up and kind of, um, they, I, I don't know, they kind of hide them under the table. A lot of times I just found a batch maybe two months ago. Um, and they were all crumbled up and torn, but, uh, they do quite well for me. Um, I try to get them. If I'm looking at a price tag on them, I've seen them go for like 15, $20. If it's something, you know, in the news, like, a, you know, a sporting team or something like that, I try to get them for under 2 or $3 a piece. Um, otherwise, it's not really worth it to me, even if they're brand new and sealed. Um, because these are, like I said, these are items that do sit for a while. So you want to factor that in. Um, so um, usually what I've seen in selling-wise, uh, I, I sell the average ones that I get because usually I buy them in a lot, so I have some leftover ones. They sell for about $30, give or take, and I charge shipping on top of that. Um, obviously, there are some that sell for more. Um, actually, I posted one on Instagram the other day. Uh, it was a Disneyland Tokyo one from, the, I think, 1980 or something like that. That one for 65 plus shipping, I believe, or something like that. So... Uh, my favorite is older sporting teams. I think I talked about this before when I did the um, the podcast on soccer-related stuff. Um, I like old, defunct companies and teams, um, especially from the 70s and 80s, just because just like when you buy old T-shirts, they have those really great logos. Um, you don't really have tags. I mean, the tags are not always, always there, but... Uh, the logos and the designs and the colors, they are really, really cool sometimes. 
So um, I like picking those up specifically, but it's not just sports related ones. Like I said, I sold a lot of uh, theme park related ones. Um, a lot of cities would specifically have one. I've seen a lot from like the World's Fair, um, festivals, events, stuff like that. Because they're marketing tools, basically, you know, and they're cheap. They're cheap to design. They've made them for, I don't know, 100 years or so. So you can find a lot from the 50s, 60s, 70s pretty easily. And they're very easy to store, very lightweight. They're also very easy to damage. So that's one thing. A lot of them, you know, made of wool or wool type materials. So you have to be careful with that. And they get wet and they absorb whatever you, you know, touch or if you get them wet. So be careful about that. Uh, one downside, unfortunately, you can't ship them first class anymore. I used to ship these first class, and that was great until this year, I believe. Uh, so now uh, I just charge priority, and I haven't had an issue with that. Um, I've had a couple questions with people asking how to ship them. I generally ship them flat. Um, so I will take a box, and um, I will actually, before I take the box, actually, sorry, I'll, I'll take some cardboard, and I'll kind of make a kind of a sandwich so the pennant is in the middle, and... Uh, cardboard lays above and below that, and I will slide that into a box. Um, pennants are usually about 30 inches long, so I guess a box is when it, uh, like a 16, 18, 20 inch box when it's flat should be fine. If it's not big enough for you to just slide it in there, I would just cut the side of the box open and then use that box like cardboard. And then you'll kind of fold it over onto the pennant, and then if you have a gap there, you can. Uh, add cardboard and uh, add to the box, basically kind of Franken box, but Franken box, a flat box. And I haven't had an issue with that. Once you add the added cardboard above and below the pennant too, it helps with stability and helps it not bend. And I write big letters, do not bend, uh, with a Sharpie on both sides. And then one thing I'd add is, especially now it's getting colder, you want to probably bag them or at least shrink wrap them or saran wrap, whatever you use, um, because they can get wet and they do absorb whatever that is. So uh, you don't want any damp smells or damp whatever. So um, one thing to think of uh, when you're packing them. But they're not fast movers. Uh, like I said, this is a list of not really fast movers, but I sell consistently a few each month, sometimes more, depending on if it's like a hot like a hot team or hot whatever um, but uh, one another, another thing to avoid is I avoid the mini ones there's mini pennants you see online they go for next to nothing like six inch 10 inch 12 inch I think something like that generally the ones I look at are 24 inches to 30 inches I think 30 inches is standard um, but you know 20 to 30 inches somewhere in there because those are the normal size ones and that's what people are looking for. The newer, tiny ones, you, I mean, I don't know what you do with those. Okay, uh, so on to number two on our list. Um, I, I think you guys know that I sell a lot of action figures, toys, that kind of stuff. So what comes along with that, uh, what I like to also sell, kind of fell into selling, was the action figure accessories. They call them one-six scale um, type accessories if you're talking about like action figure accessories but then not only those to be honest there's a lot of doll uh, accessories like and what I mean by accessories is like the um, clothing the weapons the furniture 
the other stuff that comes in the box other than the actual figure. So these uh, I found are really good to sell. So a lot of times people use these parts, these accessories and figures to um, kind of fill in for maybe they lost a, a hat or a jacket or a pair of shoes from a figure that they have, or they use them to make their own like uh, figure scenes, like dioramas, I think they call them. Uh, I believe the term is kit bashing or model bashing. Basically what people do is they take parts from an existing toy or figure and they create their own and so that's a lot of times sometimes it's not even that they're missing a part that they just want to create something new so i've sold a lot of these random items it's basically random anything like i have like a random globe a random uh it was like battle axe a random piece of look, look like couch furniture uh, a light all kinds of strange things. Um, for example, the best one, I, uh, most interesting one, not interesting, I think the funnest one that I saw recently was a pair of mini Jordans. They sold for like $20, something like that, maybe $20 or $30. And literally it's like an inch and a half long. Uh, fits on, I don't even know what kind of action figure a doll, but those are, those are kind of cool to sell. So um, I, to be honest, a lot of times don't sell these things individually. I, I sell them in lots. Um, I group up 10 of whatever, 10 pairs of pants, 10 shirts, 10, uh, I recently sold 10 ties. And um, so you put those together and you lock them up. Otherwise, selling them individually is, is not only a little bit tedious to list because I have thousands of these things, um, it, they'll sit for a long time. So you want to be careful about that. Uh, but definitely separate the cooler stuff. That's what I like to do. Something that stands out, if it has a brand, a lot of Barbie and Ken stuff, it will say Barbie or Ken on the inside. Uh, a lot of G.I. Joe stuff, you can tell. A lot of people are looking for that because they've got they've bought a random figure, but they don't have the hat or the gun or whatever. So if you have that, that's great. Um, and furniture, uh, one-six scale furniture, um, uh, kit bashing, uh, action doll furniture, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I've sold like at least five or six pieces of what looked to me like music boxes, um, but they, they sold as furniture. So you might want to look that up. This is a real slow seller too, but I've sold them for like 50, 60 bucks. Uh, they're generally pretty well-made wooden type thing. They have drawers and uh, other than that, I sold couches. I've sold all kinds of stuff. So. Um, usually, to be honest, I don't go out looking for this unless it's dirt cheap. Uh, I get a lot of this residually. Like I bought a lot, um, basically a whole storage unit. A lot of it came with that. And boxes of action figures and boxes of this, boxes of clothing and parts. So I already have a lot of it. Um, but also, um, it comes because I buy a lot of toys, a lot of action figures, and in lots, and it will come with that. And so. Um, recently, I bought a 70s lot of action figures, and along with it came extra clothing, hats, shoes, um, I think it was like a hockey jersey. Um, so I knew where that came from. I knew, okay, this is a Mattel hockey jersey. This is a Barbie can pair of shorts. So that was easy to sell. So if you don't know, it's difficult, but just go on eBay. A lot of people know a lot more than you will. That's, I, I get people emailing me all the time saying, 
that's not this, that's for this. I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. So now I have one guy that always email, emails me whenever I list a certain type of action figure and I'll say, oh, okay, and he'll comment or he'll correct whatever I've done. So people are generally pretty nice uh, as long as you are honest about what you think it is. And if you don't know, you can usually just Google image or look it up in eBay salts. So um, that's with uh, action figures and action figure type accessories. I'd recommend taking a look at that, especially if you have like a stockpile or death pile. And you're not sure what to do with it already. You may already have it in your inventory and not know. So, okay. So th the next thing on my list was vintage tank tops and vests. Uh, what I like about these, are, they are things that people kind of overlooked a little bit. Um, I know we're kind of out of season for tank tops, but vests people usually buy all year long. Um, I'm putting these together because they're kind of like the off category. What do I mean by that? Like people prefer to buy t-shirts, they prefer to buy like sweaters or jackets. Tank tops are usually like at the end of the rack at a thrift store. You have like five tank tops and then hundreds of t-shirts. You have five vests and maybe, you know, a couple hundred sweaters and jackets. So they're easy to find, especially at a thrift store, because they're usually, like I said, at the end of the rack. And there's usually not many of them. Uh, but I pick these up quite a bit. Um, and I kind of have the same mentality that I have when I'm looking for either a T-shirt or a sweater. So, for example, when I look up a tank top, I'm looking at what I would look at when I buy a T-shirt. The difference is tank top, obviously, is less material. So usually they're beach-related, surf-related, uh, maybe skate-related, uh, usually act some kind of activity like Hawaiian-related, like that, that tiki-related, that kind of thing. So those are really good to pick up. And especially if they have vintage tags, um, I kind of treat them like T-shirts in that sense. Uh, if, you, the, if you know the brand, you know it's vintage, you know it has you know, this on it or that on it, like a... Hawaiian Tropic, then it's easier to list. For vests, it's similar. I, I like to pick up things that I would pick up in the sweater category as well. So good materials like cashmere. You see a lot of cashmere vests at the list of like three or four dollars at any thrift store. Um, good brands too. You see a lot of LL Bean. Um, you see a lot of uh, like um, Polo Ralph Lauren, which I generally don't really pick up, but if it's got like any kind of cashmere in it, I will, um, especially this time of year. Um, and with so vests, it's not just sweater vests. Um, you want to add to that things like uh, denim vests, denim jean jacket type vests. You see a lot of leather vests as well, uh, motorcycle type related ones. If you see Harley ones, those are great too. I don't really see very many of those, um, but any of those sell well. Um, the crazier the material, the better. Um, and so another thing I like about vests, generally they're lighter. I mean, not always if it's the denim or leather or something, but generally they're lighter. So lighter means you can ship them first class a lot of times. They're easier to store, very, uh, they don't take up much room at all. And so I, I usually pick them up for like a buck or two. Um, and, um, but I guess two things to watch out for are um, a lot of times with uh, vests, uh, you'll see damage, especially if they're made of uh, wool 
uh, or even cashmere. A lot of times that can be worn, could have tiny little holes in it. So you want to watch for that. And with tank tops, you want to watch for uh, on the shoulders. A lot of times the shoulder strap there is kind of cut or ripped, torn. So uh, you want to watch for that and extra. Sometimes they seem to like roll up. Like the bottom of this, like the bottom of the t-shirt, you see sometimes it rolls, it does that, it does that a lot with the shoulder strap too. Uh, again, these are not always fast sellers. You say you want to be mindful and check the comps. Uh, you want to be careful of, you know, obviously what you're buying. And what I like to do is with sweater vests and that type of stuff, I'd like to, I go with the brand and material. Tank tops, like I said, I like to look for super vintage ones, crazy designs and something that people would look for. Like I sold, for example, a, I think it was not Planet Hollywood, um, Universal Studios Hollywood tank top from like the 90s, and that did well. And then um, uh, there's a lot of uh, gym related, like uh, Gold's Gym, if you can find vintage ones, those seem to do well, like uh, active wear, like people love the old Gold's Gym one, if you can look up the old tag. So, and then one thing to keep in mind also is they are quite seasonal um, tank t-shirts people buy generally year round tank tops. I've noticed it kind of drops off in the winter months um, and you may be going internationally to like Australia or something like that. Uh, but then also the sweater vest is pretty consistent year round. Obviously when it gets a little bit colder, you have more buying of uh, more of them being bought, but yeah, keep that in mind. So, Next thing that I like to purchase is uh, martial arts related gear and clothing, MMA, karate, kickboxing, taekwondo, judo. So this stuff is generally pretty sturdy, pretty well-made, thicker material. Um, and it will usually have whatever logo. Sometimes it's a company logo, brand logo, but also sometimes it will just say like, you know, kickboxing blah, 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 kickboxing or some so-and-so's dojo or something written on there in big letters. Um, if you don't know, look up the brands. I didn't know any of them. I still don't really know any of them. Um, I haven't done this that much. I've done maybe five or six, but all of them are sold for good money. So check the comps right away. Um, I've done the best in terms of MMA type gear with the bags. The bags are huge. They're these giant bags that I, I mean, I'd use one for traveling. Um, usually nice, brightly colored, have lots of straps and zippers and stuff and a big shoulder strap. So you can fit all that gear in there, I guess. Um, and those do really well. Another thing to remember, whenever you see these bags, Look inside the pockets. I list bought one, listed it, and I had opened it up. I took pictures of everything. And then after I listed it, I went to fold it up to put it away, and then it wouldn't fold up the whole way. So then I went and I looked inside on the inside pockets. It had two sets of, I think it was a, a set of uh, gloves and a set of foot. I don't know if they're gloves or what they are. They're made of like foam for kickboxing. And it was a kickboxing bag. So I was able to take that out. Oh, and a board too. It was like a board that I guess you hold and you punch against. So I took those out and I sold those separately. So look inside the pockets of these bags. Because a lot of times people won't look in them um, because there's so many of them. And they kind of fit in perfectly. So you wouldn't know it unless you were to like go looking for it. 
Um, another thing I like are geese, I believe they're called. And they look like robes. Again, they're usually really good thick material. You want to make sure it's not missing the belt if possible. A lot of times I know they don't come with a belt, but um, so if they come with a belt, even better. But obviously I don't think you're supposed to buy a belt. But a lot of them are practice geese, I think they're called. So um, yeah, you can tell I really don't know much about this stuff. But uh, the one I sold recently was a judo gi, and I had it listed way too high, but then I think I dropped the price to about 50 or 60 bucks, and it sold right away. Now again, this is a very specific item, so it may sit for a while. Also, like I said, they're heavier and larger, so for shipping, it may be slightly more expensive than uh, like a regular shirt or a regular bag, something like that. And you have to have a place to store them, obviously. And uh, a couple things to watch out for, like, you know, checking the insides of the pockets for stuff. But also, you want to make sure that the strap, and, like, especially for bags, is actually there. The long shoulder strap is missing a lot of times. Uh, or it could just be tucked away in the bag somewhere. So it may not actually be missing. So check for that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, you might make some money. So my last thing on the list for today is... Um, cross stitch or sewing kits or needlepoint kits. Um, I kind of, uh, I know there's a lot of variations for these types of kits and types of materials, types of, uh, you know, is it needlepoint, is it cro uh, crocheting, is it cross stitch, is it sewing? But in general, these types of kits sell pretty well. You should find them in the back of the store, a thrift store by the blanket section on a rack there. And I first found these by accident as a thrift store and they rolled out a new, it was some random after them, they rolled out a new uh, blue bin of uh, just the entire thing was full of these, you know, plastic packages of cross stitch kits. So they're all listed at about 50 cents a piece. So I looked up a couple, uh, some of them are going for 50 bucks, some of them are going for like eight bucks, 10 bucks, but they're all 50 cents a piece. So I grabbed them all, it was probably a hundred and something cross stitch kits, I'm guessing. Um, and I even sent a few to Amazon FBA, which is a bad idea. I wouldn't do that. Um, they sit for a while there. Um, but um, one thing I would say is uh, in this big lot that I picked up, some of them were not sealed. I'd say maybe 5% were not sealed. Um, but they looked, you know, unused. I, I stay away from anything that's not sealed now when it comes to these because I don't really know what I'm looking at. And even if it is perfect, it's really easy. I, I had actually sold one of these used ones and they basically said that um, it was it was used. And um, I got a, uh, a buyer that responded to me after it was sold saying, you know what, this is missing pieces, it's used. And so uh, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like I said, when I see that, it looks all complete to me, but you can't really tell if it's pieces of thread or yarn. So I'd stay away from anything that's open unless it's unbelievably rare or something like that, but I wouldn't even be able to know what that is. Um, a lot of the ones I do look for, if I do see them, are like the Thomas Kincaid stuff. If you did a, a quick eBay sold search, you see a lot of Thomas Kincaid. A lot of them are made in the 70s and 80s. Uh, uh, coming up to Christmas now, so anything related to that does well. Scenic themes, uh, like babies, pets, they, you know, dogs and cats, those do pretty well. 
and around July 4th, there's a lot of July 4th themed stuff too. So that does well. Um, usually I get them for under a buck, sometimes 50 cents or a quarter. Um, and um, it's very seasonal. And But I would say with cross-stitch kits or any kind of these types of kits, right now would be a good time to sell them because they are seasonal, but we're getting to the colder months, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that's all coming up. And then obviously with COVID, people are already at home. So anything that you can do at home is good right now. So um, yeah, I definitely look into that if you see them and I'm sure you see them in any thrift store. Uh, I, like I said, these do sit for a while and they are seasonal, but right now is the season for them. So. Uh, this might be one thing on the list that is actually a good time to buy right now. So that's my list for today um, of five items that sit for a while but will sell um, if you buy the right items, obviously. But love to hear what you think. Do you sell these already? Have you sold them before? Do you not like them? How did it go? Let us know. Leave us a comment. Leave us a voicemail. Check us out on Facebook, Resale Niche Help Facebook page. Check us out on Instagram, reseller underscore niche. And check us out on TikTok, <laughs> reseller underscore niche. And then uh, if you could, I could ask you for a favor, if possibly you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, um, wherever you can, uh, I think it's under Apple Podcasts, but those reviews do the best for us to help us get pushed up the rankings for podcasts so more people can hear us. So until the next one, thank you for listening to the Reselling Age podcast. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Reseller Niche Podcast. Show notes and social media links are located at resellerniche.com. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.